Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. And you too. What did you two ever have to know? I believe that's the third time you've made that reference. At least three times. Show. <laughs> having list, having had to listen to back to excerpt all the dad jokes, <laughs> you have done that one before. Uh, do you know what uh, temperature newborns come out at? I think you've done I this think before, so. but I, st- I still don't remember womb temperature. Yes, <laughs> uh, I know. I haven't done this one before. Is uh, what do you get with a swimming pool full of anti-vaccinated or non-vaccinated kids? What? Water polio. Oh, they turned on you. <laughs> they absolutely. Wow. Oh, they're coming they're back. back. They're back. They're back. Yay. Well done. Well done. Well, welcome to another episode of the Mark and Toddcast. I'm Todd and I am joined by Mark. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm I'm pretty well. Good, the weather's good. turning. It's springtime it in is Portland. So nice out. It's beautiful. I didn't realize there's a spot uh, in Lake Oswego where you can see Mount St. Helens. There's a mm. back way. Do you know Stafford Road? Yeah, it goes by yeah, the yeah. the bar uh, the at Wanker's Corner, as featured in yes. Extraordinary Measures. But it kind of goes <laughs> over the back hill towards Lake Oswego, and there's a point where you're. Uh, coming down off the crest into Lake Oswego, huh. and you can just see Mount St. Helens huh. there, which is really crazy. Not too far from, well, it'd be a little ways away from the Portland Golf Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of back, back in that zone. Yep, yep. Yeah. So anyway, I took that drive this morning. It was a very nice, but beautiful. I also drove this Thursday. I spent about 10 hours in the car in one day. Oh. Uh I drove back to Sunnyside, Washington, which is in the Yakima Valley, to visit my family. My niece was in uh, her senior school play. She was the the lead female nice. in that. So I went back to see that and showed up, uh, me and my dad and brother, all wearing almost identical blue plaid oh, you shirts. You sent the picture, and it... <laughs> It looks like your mom dressed all three of you. <laughs> I know. It's like we were having to take family pictures or something like that. Everybody dress in denim. <laughs> They're exactly the same jeans. Ex- pretty much almost exactly yeah. the same shirt. Which is crazy because I'd never really seen them dress like that before. <laughs> so we're all becoming the same person, which is funny. But I had, uh, it's about a three and a half hour uh, car trip on the way there. And just a beautiful trip through the gorge. And I rarely get to go at this time of year because I'm usually going either in the summer or over Christmas, Christmas and everything is just dead Crabby. and ugly. Yeah. But yeah, there was grass in the gorge and uh, I didn't bring my, uh, I didn't bring my earplugs. So I did get ear ca- sound cancer from the windmills <laughs> when I went up through bigs, but hopefully, oh. hopefully I'll be alive. But I did keep a list of things that uh, I thought of in the car <laughs> uh, to, to talk about. <laughs> and you <laughs> This will be a while. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yes, my entire three and a half hour journey thought process unveiled now. 
No, but um, you know that thing that I I have in, and I know it is a total me thing. The my thing about people wearing sunglasses, how I think they're just like over dramatic pussies, <laughs> and right. like I know that's wrong, whatever. But I thought of another thing like that that I just really I hate for some reason, and that's when people who when they go swimming they plug their nose when they jump in or go under the water. Yeah. It's like, just blow nose out of your air like an adult. You look like a moron. It's true. It j- drives me crazy. Like, yeah. And I, I feel like if you're, if you're diving or swimming correctly, it's not an issue. Right. And so it's, it's like a, a litmus test for, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm I re- totally with you. <laughs> I remember, I mean, I grew up around the beach in, uh, in Southern California. We had a, uh, a pool in, in our backyard, so I've been swimming yeah. my, my whole life. And I went to uh, college in Iowa for two years, which is not near the ocean. And not very many people have swimming pools. And so I took a swimming class uh, as one of the physical education or whatever. And just with a bunch of people that could not swim and I remember once I was like, no one's even like watching me do anything. And so I just floated face. I could hold my breath for a really right. long time. So I floated like face down dead, for like a minute and a half. Yeah. No one ever noticed. <laughs> it's kind of sad. So in, uh, in the boot camp in Navy, in the Navy in boot camp, uh, that's what I meant to say, um, <clears throat> you have to do a swimming test. And it's basically, you just need to, like the test is to be able to sustain yourself for five or 10 minutes or something like that. It's it's pretty trivial for a swimmer. And they also teach you how to make your um, bell bottom jeans into that. And the reason they're bell bottoms is so you can take them off in the water and, um, and then tie the legs together and swoop uh, air, air into, into it, it and make yourself a flotation device right. out of your pants, uh, <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, but I remember it's a similar experience of that that five minute floating test. I'm like, yeah, tread water for five minutes, yeah. and you swim around, whatever. And they have company commanders, or, you know, people that work in the navy, um, standing around the edge of the pool with long poles with we call them Q-tips because they were, they just had like a pad at the end. So they wouldn't like an break the person. Right, yeah. totally. And, <laughs> and so they, and so all the people who couldn't swim and were drowning, <laughs> they could use the pole to like That's so save funny. them, you know? Yeah. And, and I just thought it was, just shocking uh, you know that. it is especially i mean uh, granted you know you and i grew up doing it and it's right. basically just like walking but to see people struggle with it is interesting because yeah. it is like people struggling with walking without some you know sort of physical disability or anything just like not being able to quite figure it out and <laughs> flailing around and oh, it's so funny anyway i decided yeah so don't just just puff a little air out of your nose when you get in the water and then it will seal up. You'll be fine. Take your fingers off your nose. Um, there's two things, two other things that bother me when people, do you know the, that there's a word for fear of whatever? And then they give you the like, blah, 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 phobia. Right. 
I hate that. <laughs> because it's not a word. It's just it's, two Latin words put together for right. whatever that... And uh, nobody... Ever has active, used that. Right, exactly. Fear of scuba diving is like whatever phobia. <laughs> oh, that drives me crazy. But uh, I don't understand why 2,000 pounds gets its own thing <laughs> like who is that helping one ton or we have 1000 pounds then a ton then 3000 then 4000 then five, like that doesn't save anyone's it's a time good, good question and how is a yard of material calculated is that is that a cu- it's not a cubic yard no and i because it's a lot longer it's a lot bigger than that yeah because i when we when i worked construction one summer and we had to um dig fence post holes and get those filled with concrete and it was always like we had to tell them how many yards to bring in the truck or whatever and i couldn't make heads or tails of that because right when i was gone when a couple weekends ago my neighbor dana was like oh some guy stopped with with three yards of of uh gravel that he right. needed to drop off and like and I was, and she said, so now we have a new driveway. And so I'm like picturing this whole new driveway and like, but it's just this little section, but I didn't see like it. So I still have no idea <laughs> how to visualize that. Or why, why front yard is two words and backyard is one. <laughs> <laughs> why do we drive why on a park? A park on <laughs> <in> a driveway. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, the other, I won't, I'll scratch off these other ones because I couldn't figure out if vitamin is a scientific term or just what we call something that's kind of arbitrary. It kind of seems like it's leaning arbitrary. Right. Like a tomato is. A tomato is a vegetable. Not a fruit, it's a, fruit, not a, it's a, a culinary vegetable and a, and a botanical fruit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Um, but uh, the other person that was there to watch the play was my sister-in-law's uh, brother, Mark, actually is his name. Uh, he flew in from, from Michigan. They live in Michigan and was spending a couple of days there. So I got to see him and we get to the play and um, my mom and my dad and my sister and brother and two of their girls all sit in a row uh, of our own. And I kind of looked around and, and I, was, I asked Linda, I was like, oh, well, where's Mark? And he's like, oh, he's sitting in the back. And I was like, oh, I've been waiting for someone. I don't know what else is going on. I just showed up and and she goes, oh, she, he's just like my dad. And her dad is kind of just a, a very curmudgeonly old Dutch man, you know, very much uh, like my my old father-in-law was the same way. Right. I don't think I've ever met him, but you've heard stories like that. And and so I go, well, well what do you mean? And she goes, well, he's just sitting in the back just to be by himself. And he was like, that's Mark. And then my niece, Emily, was like, yep, that's them. And I go, this has you been an option that. the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys have just flat out accepted that he just wants to be by himself in the same room. And no one told me? What is happening? <laughs> this sounds amazing. I know. I was Nick like, and he's never just let that doing that. Fly. I know. Uh, I I've tried. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was hilarious. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that. I did enjoy sitting with my family, but it was just really funny how they're like, yep, that's just, that's just that's what he Mark. does. That's Mark. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, let's get into, um, 
some news, unless you had a list of thoughts that you had compiled. Besides that, I do have a news article from local from last night. Ooh, okay. Why don't we start with that? So, do we have a breaking news? We have sounder? a bre- breaking news no, sounder. Not right. The uh, one of the pedestrian bridges on I two hundred five. Oh my Somebody gosh. drove. Is that a camper? A camper. Onto the pedestrian bridge. Oh wow! Last night. one of the pedestrian bridges has like the the circular gate over it or whatever the the curved roof. <laughs> it's just it's literally just shoved into the. And he looked like he tried to drag it all the way and just could no longer get it any further. It's wow. Was it? It must have been. <laughs> there's a don't drink and drive sticker on it. <laughs> Uh, so the Portland Police wow. Department had no idea how it got there, like <laughs> specifically like how they drove it up there because it's it's on a pedestrian bridge. So there's no like ramp car. Ramp. car. Oh, that's true. Uh, so I don't I don't know the specific logistics of how it got there. It could but be that they just had a bunch of people trying to haul it by hand. <laughs> it's all thrashed and squeezed and in it's, there. It's a fully covered chain link. You know, to enclosure to the enclosure. pedestrian bridge. So there's a dome of <laughs> and that's chain what it, link, and that's it what it got stuck on is the ribs of the chain link fence that goes over it. That is amazing. Just Portland is, it's a in dump. shambles right now. Yeah, I just well, the one part of what I drove on Thursday is I had to pick up uh, a kid I work with um, off of uh, Powell or Gleason or somewhere way east of 205 and like you just get on the freeway there and there's 50 tents set up yep. like right next to a no trespassing <laughs> sign it, it's That's, just a mess it's i i think the no loitering no camping um uh, uh, no overnight camping all, all those signs just attract oh this must be a good camping spot right. for them to take the time and put a sign here it's crazy and so you know i i work in southeast you know uh, the technically northeast just north of broadway on uh, uh mlk area and right by the walgreens there along the sidewalk there's just a new community of yeah. people that have an enormous amount of stuff that they're managing and always filtering things through and just shuffling. And well, when I lived things around, when I lived in Northeast off of uh, Vancouver up by Alberta, um, I lived in this, one of those gigantic old, I don't know, plantation houses that were built there for whatever, like one of the three story houses. And, and it was next to a church and um, Oscar, there was a homeless guy that lived on the porch of that church and I would go out and smoke yeah, and, and hang out with him. And Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he would spend a gigantic amount of his time like going through all his stuff and picking out. He had a little radio and a hibachi and like it was a full-time job just like managing the, the contents and stuff of his little existence. So and I, it's not that I want those people to not exist. Like I want them to have dignity and a place to live and safety mm-hmm. and, and, and those things. And, and I, I clearly have no idea what the solution is. Right. Um, but it's, it's not what, whatever we're it doing. It should involve a solution <laughs> you, is right. the kind of the solution I'm looking we, for. Yeah. And, uh, just the, well, we're just going to turn a blind eye and let 
people do whatever. Well, and especially since the entire city. Well, like, and especially in contrast to what's happening to the city. I mean, it's it it's clearly we're shoveling all of these people out to build these new condos for people mm-hmm. who to come in to live here. And we've just like we forgot the part of the plan that we're like, well, these people need to go somewhere now right. that you've taken their their places of living away. And yeah, so it it just seems like something whatever happened to dignity village is that still around i think it got moved out to the airport where none of the homeless people can get to (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that was that was the big idea of what the 90s and the early 2000s was to build the the homeless village that i think immediately devolved into socialism and chaos Uh, yeah absolutely (laughs) since 2000 it's a membership-based community um yeah. Oh, wow. It looks like a food cart pod. <laughs> it might be now. <laughs> Is that a schmackin' waffle? <laughs> Shelter off waffle. the streets for 60 people a night since 2001. Wow. And 60 is like one block worth of homeless people on yeah. in Portland. It's crazy. <clears throat> I so. subscribe to the Portland subreddit and I frequently read comments from I just came for the first time from Milwaukee or whatever right. and nice town except for the <laughs> enormous amount of trash disarray tent and tent cities everywhere in, in the city. I mean, we're it's like burning like the burning barrels of like the 1930s yeah. like hobo Hobos, community. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, well, well that was <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all I have is the. Oh, I have my sound all the way turned on because my. <laughs> I guess we're done with that. All right. Well, PepsiCo sues small farmers in India over potatoes for Lay's potato, uh, potato chips. Uh, PepsiCo, which counts potato chip brands, uh, Lay's amongst many of its products, says it's hoping to reach an agreement with four farmers in India for growing a type of potato. Um, the food conglomerate claims to own the rights to. So the main reason I uh, pulled this story, they're suing for $140,000 for each farmer, um, is the same thing that kind of Monsanto does in in America where they have patented a type of corn. And as that corn sprouts in like the one farmer's field, it like blows oh, right. as pollen yeah, yeah. does in and the then air. And then, and yeah, yeah. There. And then shows up in other people's fields <clears throat> and those other people's cannot like it's not legal for them to have that kind of corn and so they just get sued or they can't sell that part of the crop or it's crazy all that patented sue monsanto Mm. for infecting my crop with your seriously geoengineering (laughs) bioengineering Uh, daimler will convert the Portland uh, Portland factory to make electric trucks. Yes. So Daimler, which must not be Daimler Chrysler anymore because it just says Daimler, Daimler. here, uh, has already been developing electrification technology at its research labs on Swan Island, but has previously said it would manufacture the trucks in North Carolina. Uh, on Wednesday, though, it said it will be converting its existing Freightline factory, which shut down a couple years ago, to make uh, electric vehicles. Uh, the road to emissions-free transportation is going to be driven with battery electric vehicles, said their chief executive, Roger Nielsen, <laughs> <laughs> at the <laughs> at Epcot Center in 1962. <laughs> uh, Daimler said it decided to make the trucks in Portland because of the city's proximity to the large California market. 
um, and it will hire about 200 people, most of them in Portland, to develop the self-driving semis it hopes to have on the road by 2030. So, um, <clears throat> oh, I, I'm, oh, just, just, I'm just, just, just checking stuff, not, checking the news. What is that? Check, That's like a. It's a, Looks like a bridge a, made out of it, solar panels. It's actually a plane. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I know it did look (laughs) badly Uh, photoshopped at all. Exactly. Um, And so it's a plane covered with, uh, it's a tiny little plane with a massive wing. It's actually, it looks like fins on the bottom. Yeah. Like little mini fuselages uh, that the title of the article is new hail solar product could help flying phone towers take off. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so. Uh, they did just, oh, I forget what the news was about the balloon internet. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so we had a story about it not being a crime to flip a right. police officer off, and now we have a follow-up, not really follow-up story, but a court says using chalk on tires for parking envi- enforcement violates the Constitution. Hmm. Uh, so a federal appeals court ruled Monday that chalking is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. The case was brought. The case was brought by Allison Taylor, an unlikely Michigan woman who the court describes as a frequent recipient of parking tickets. Uh, she received her fifteenth citation in just a few years, and she went to the city, uh, especially specifically after parking enforcement officer Tabitha Hoskins. Uh, Hoskins, the suit uh, uh, alleged, was a prolific chalker. Every single one of Taylor's 15 tickets was issued by Hoskins, um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, That chalking was an unconstitutional, quote, trespassing upon a privately owned vehicle parked on a public street to place a chalk mark to begin gathering information to ultimately impose a government sanction is unconstitutional under the Fourth Amendment, which I don't know what the Fourth Amendment is. Unlawful search and seizure, maybe? Uh, because they said because you're not breaking the law, they would need a search warrant to uh, touch or approach or do anything to the vehicle. And without that probable cause, they can't start marking you in hopes that you do a crime. So huh. interesting. So that's uh, I don't know if that's uh, uh, nationwide, but that was in Michigan. That's re- that's a really interesting precedent. Yeah. Tabitha and Hoskins. <laughs> Tabitha. We're on to you. <laughs> we know. Um, yeah, because. Portland has shifted a lot of its parking areas to license controlled with parking kitty, uh, uh, which was promoted by Moshe Moshe the cat cat rapper when uh, he first started out. Um, Parking kitty. I have my vehicle and it's license plate programmed into the app. And so when I park in zone one zero zero two, I park, I hit the app, I hit the one zero zero two, how much time I'm going to stay and save. And it's got my payment information already built in and everything. And, and then where does I'm it print out your ticket? There's no ticket. Well, then how does parking enforcement know? They, before issuing a ticket, they type in your, your license plate and it talks to the mothership and says, this one is able to park Why, in this zone. Seems like an extra step for the parking people, I guess. Yeah. But. So I see they might have a scanner. Uh, uh, maybe. You're, you're only allowed. So in like a two hour parking ticket zone or you like where you have to pay for two hour parking in that zone, that, that one zero zero two zone, for example, uh, around the North park blocks is massive. It goes all the way up. Uh, it's kind of old town and 
uh, a big section right up to the freeway. It's okay. massive. And so you can't just like move your car into a different zone when your two hours expires if you're going to stay right. for three hours. So uh, we were talking to parking enforcement about what the literal definition of moving your vehicle. So you can't stay on the same block face. So um, if you move your car on a one-way street to the other side of the same street, that's a different block face. Okay. And so you have to cross the street. But if you just move two spots forward on the same side of the same street. That's not allowed. That's not allowed. Interesting. That's the same block face. And wow. so you have to move block faces every two hours. Huh. And they and they give tickets for it in, wow. in the North Park blocks. I hate them. <laughs> I saw this story going around a lot this week and under the guise of like, wow, isn't this the most amazing thing? So... Uh, researchers have made a thirty nine hundred pound uh, made thirty nine hundred pound boulders that they can move by hand, and this kind of came with a little video that I didn't copy here. But basically, they're giant. They're trying to figure out well how did how did ancient people move things like Stonehenge, uh, the Easter Island statue heads? They've <clears> always <throat> been trying to figure that, out how yeah. they get those well. around. And so they seem blown away that they just built something with rounded corners that can then be sort of like a wheel. Uh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's ba- well, it's basically the, like the Easter Island head, but with a rounded bottom so that you can kind of like wobble uh, it back see. and forth. Um, search for thirty nine hundred pound boulders. I did. Oh, what? Wow. Thirty nine. <laughs> That is exactly what you typed in. (laughs) Move by hand. (laughs) um, Oh, here's a a GIF on Vimeo that I'll bring up here. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically just like you just rock them back and forth. And supposedly this is a huge tool discovery that they made that even though something's heavy, it can be. And then they walk all these pieces into they're basically in this video moving puzzle pieces that eventually build something bigger. But I just couldn't figure out all week why everybody was so excited for this movable, movable thing. But anyway, back to Oregon, the Oregon zoo train uh, is not the route is not going to be restored. So we had, uh, it was shut down for a while and then they were going to rebuild it. Um, But it pulled the last, let's see, Back, it was closed for construction back in 2013, and we were all hoping to see its return to co- its completed route through the International Rose Test Garden. Instead, the train only opened reopened for a brief ride within the zoo, with the longer park trip remaining closed. Uh, it's because they discovered structural issues and other safety concerns. Community members have been trying to urge the zoo to resu- uh, restore the train. Um, and that has more than 29,000 signatures, but it doesn't sound like they should get our, their hopes up. Um, because Metro Council President Lynn Peterson uh, took a pers- uh, question asking about it. And she said, in the next three years, probably no. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and she said, oh, I'm sorry. I think I disappointed a lot of people today. Um, so the city of Portland uh, does have a plan, which Metro is trying to adhere to. That plan, quote, envisions a trail there <laughs> <laughs> instead, of the, <laughs> instead of the original zoo <clears throat> loop. So um, we'll see what happens. But uh, as of now and, and for the... Um, more immediate future, we will not be having that train back. So oh. that did you ever ride sad. that train? I think I did take it once. Yeah, uh, I 
I don't think I did. And it looks, it's pretty retro looking. It yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just an old really cool, wooden yeah. track that just sort of, it sort of meanders basically yeah. just through the forest and uh, around <clears> up. And it was really neat. And, but yeah, I mean, it was fairly rickety and, and, and old. So at least I got to do it once. That was kind of nice. Uh, a baby T-Rex fossil listed for sale on eBay <gasps> for $3 million. What? The fossil of the extremely rare baby T-Rex uh, has a buy it now asking for $2.95 million. Uh, it claims the artifact is, quote, most likely the only baby T-Rex in the world. Uh, and that adding the specimen has a 15 foot long body, 21 inch skull and serrated teeth. The fossil is believed to be 68 million years old and was reportedly listed by professional fossil hunter. Um, he goes on to kind of describe it. There are ethical concerns and all of the scientists are <laughs> really ticked off that uh, it's being sold to the public. Um, its owner used the specimens for scientific importance, including its exhibition status um, as part of the advertising strategy. Um, because the vertebrate fossils are rare, most of them are uh, given to given to museums. But did you end up finding it? Oh, yeah. Is Free it shipping. <laughs> is it prime delivery? It is not prime delivery. A young uh, T-Rex expedite. dinosaur fossil. So it's pretty big. Hell's Creek. Maybe only one T-Rex. Uh, the only one. Uh, so $2,950,000. Buy it now. Are there and any other bids on it? N- no, this is oh, a buy it now okay. price. So there, uh, you can make an offer or okay. buy it now. Wow. Um, 156 people are seeing this in an hour. Jeez. So, yeah, if you have a a couple uh, extra million laying around. Or you can get a Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton dinosaur T-Rex animal model super toy collector. For $16.79. For $16.79. Yeah, but does that have free shipping? Um, That's how they get you. That's, that's how they get you. Plus... million shipping. (laughs) Uh, The government just made its own font. What? Uh, Last week, the General Services Administration, historically known for maintaining government buildings and procuring fleet vehicles, rolled out the U.S. Web Design System 2.0, a new iteration of its design framework for government websites. Uh, prior to this release, the they made a handful of open source typefaces developed out of house, including their ever popular Source Sans Pro and Google's Roboto. So it's called Public Sans, and it's the first foray into developing a typeface of their own. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it looks like a fairly basic, basic Sans serif type. So they said rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, uh, they lightly modified an existing Sans serif staple uh, based on Libra Franklin. So look forward to all of your things being published in this wonderful government font as they slowly continue to take over our lives. Uh, the most exciting story, McDonald's is reporting adding a Stropwaffle McFlurry in the internet <laughs> yes. in the U.S. soon. <clears throat> so uh, let's see. It hasn't been fully confirmed yet, but signs are pointing pretty strongly to them releasing this. Rumors have been swirling since Business Insider published a piece this morning based on some, quote, internal documents that they've gotten a hold of. So they do have uh, waffle McFlurries in the Netherlands already, and they're talking about um, expanding their international. I'm all about that. Their na- that international. Be... That would be really good to have grounded up uh, waffle inside my McFlurry. So mm. do look for that. 
Boy, that was a that was a good one. The terrible news segment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have Brian the Unipiper this week, um, so go check out his stuff, unipiper.com, or at wweirdportlandunited.org. Is that right? Yes. I believe. Yes. Um, for more about st- his stuff, we sh- will be going, I believe, to the UFO Festival uh oh, yes. in the next i don't know if it's this month this coming month or the month after so that'll be interesting to see the type of person that uh comes to the mcminnville ufo festival it starts on may 16th is that at the mcminnimans there yeah oh that's funny yeah it's it's sponsored by mcminnimans sponsored by mcminnimans the 20th annual ufo festival may 16th through 18th yeah so i think on saturday we'll we'll have a table for weird portland united there and i think my notebooks so Come check out McMinnville on their UFO, UFO festival. Is that Clyde Lewis? Of course it is. Go is down, it? right there. Sure enough. Of course, Clyde probably lives and breathes for the UFO and Bigfoot festivals. <laughs> <laughs> Close Encounters of the Third Vine. Oh. Yeah, so you can drink wine while you're there. Boo! <laughs> I think I have a. <laughs> All right. How do you get it to stop? I can't get it to st- <laughs> you get it. Jeez. Okay. Well, oh. anyway. But uh, so we'll take a quick little breather here and come back with the Library of Alexandria. Um. So I was on um uh I was on Fun Employment Radio not last week but the week before filling in oh. uh, for Sarah Dillon who was busy becoming a real estate agent. Yay. Uh, as a as a shocker to everyone. She's like I've been that's what I've been doing for the last couple of months. Um but I was in their green room and they have two different sonic sketches there. They have the one that's done on uh, uh, an eight by twenty-four piece of uh, polished aluminum, which is just super cool looking, and then they had um the smaller uh, paper version, and it just looks really cool. The first thing you see in there is the Sonic sketch of I forgot to ask what music they had as oh, yeah. their sketch, though I should ask them that next time. But uh, Sonic sketches, uh, SonicSketches.com. You can go look and you can have your favorite piece of music, uh, put into a wave format, uh. And and put onto either a piece of uh, brush aluminum or paper. Um, they can do any song that you'd like. And if you order one of the songs, it comes with a little backstory of like when it was on the charts and who did it and and stuff like that. You can also do um, personalized things, so you can record your voice, or if you have a voice recording of of something, like say, I don't know, the last episode of the Mark and Todd cast. <laughs> <laughs> that he wanted to get on a, a very, very long uh, Sonic sketch. You could do that. Um, but they're really great looking. Um, so go to sco- sonicsketches.com. Uh, you can make a custom sketch from any song or any audio recording, even your own voice. Um, so check them out. Uh, if you order from them, you can get free shipping. <laughs> Speaking of free shipping, if you use <laughs> the uh, promo code Mark Todd. So go check them out and support them because that also supports us. So check them out and to do yourself a favor. And oh, it's graduation uh, coming up. So that would be That's a great. really neat thing to give the graduate in your life. So check them out. I think it's just that I really like ragtime for some reason. And I'm oh, not yeah. sure what makes something ragtime. But it's always got that piano where it's right. like not one note. It's like three. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That just yeah. fills me with joy yeah. somehow. <laughs> that sting at the end. Uh, Colin this week was watching um, 
he's so funny. You know how they had those movie goof channels where they'd be like, uh, do like continuity errors. And okay. It's like, well, the phone was yeah. orange in this scene, right. but later it was yellow right. or whatever. Those complaining channels on. There's a whole one that does goofs in Thomas the Train episodes. <laughs> Wow. And so he like forced me to sit it's down and very like, specific. it's very specific. There's a lot of very specific Thomas the Train stuff on YouTube. It's um, Thomas the Train stop motion animation or? No, it, it was a live, but they used little toy models. Okay. So like they would either just be motorized or yeah, it wasn't quite stop motion, but um, it was, yeah, that whole channel was so funny. They're like, but then Gordon's face, his eyeball was looking that way. And they're like, goof. Or whatever. I'm like, Colin, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> What's happening? Um, oh, we forgot to talk about, um, <laughs> the feud and baby Jane. Yes. Let's so, talk about so this. Before the library of Alexandria. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, <clears throat> we love Nick, Nick and I love the movie. Whatever happened to baby Jane? Uh, 1962 classic thriller starring uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and Joan Crawford's eyebrows <laughs> and Joan Crawford's eyebrows and, um, and her just crazy. They were both, the movie, the plot is basically misery meets gray gardens. Oh, that's yeah. That's yeah. A good and so it's, it's these two aging hags. And, and I say that very specifically because there was a genre that I didn't know about called hag exploitation, <laughs> which I'm now going to totally, uh, structure your life around, around. hag exploitation. And so, um, uh, Betty Davis plays this monster of a character, and both of these ladies are are literal. They're humans uh, in their in their real life. They are aged actresses, and who no one will hire. Who no one will hire. Who have a bitter a bitter rivalry with each crazy, other. Crazy, crazy bitter rivalry with each other. And this was the first movie they ever played together, and. In the movie, their characters are aged actresses <laughs> that have bitter rivalry uh, against each other. Yeah, and, and they're sisters. It's incredible. It's it's it is really great. And like, there's a lot of old movies that kind of feel old and, and dated. And this one has its moments, but it's it's, it's like really right in good. line with like Sunset Boulevard for me. And, yeah, and just it's yeah. And you haven't seen All About Eve. We need to watch that one because yeah, that's do. another one that's surprisingly you're like, wow, this and is really Joan Crawford or is no, that Betty Davis, Davis was in that. Marilyn Monroe is in that in a little yep. bit part, but um, but yeah, it's really and so so the movie's great. You didn't do it, Jay. You mean all this time we could have been friends? That's what I was looking for. Uh, And so uh, crazy rivalry between them, a great plot, great, the the whole thing is fantastic. And when we lived in Southern California, we lived about six blocks away from the whatever happened to baby Jane house, which is still there, still looks exactly the same, uh, all the stuff. Uh, And we didn't know that a year and a half ago, a eight part miniseries was published on FX. Yeah. Somehow called, I knew that <laughs> called feud Betty and Joan. Yeah. And it details in very great detail, 
all the behind the scenes and the making of and their rivalry before and, and after. after. Uh, and and I would say maybe a third of the series is after Baby Jane. Right, because uh, it became know, a huge hit. Huge hit. Uh, it was very uh, hit and miss getting up to the release of the movie. They didn't know if this was going to be a total flop and an embarrassment. Joke, yeah. Uh, or if this was going to strike a chord at all. Yeah. And it knocked it out of the park. It it, it only won one Academy Award, I believe, mm. for like script writing or, okay. or something. And and but Betty Davis was up for May for Best Actress. Which is it. Yeah, but they were both oh stars. So that was the whole thing. And then Joan Crawford Incred- goes behind everyone's back and does all this stuff. Crazy and- this crazy mischief of like epic hag level <laughs> uh you know entitled women who had power and at that time nobody knew but they didn't have money or at yeah. least Joan Crawford was really hurting for money yeah and like what she was doing behind the scenes to make ends meet and and it and it's really 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 fantastic so that the miniseries on on FX which is available on Amazon Prime if you purchase it it's for oh is for, it for, yeah <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to tell <laughs> somebody may have gotten a DCMA notice about <laughs> Perhaps getting that not on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it stars Susan Sarandon as Betty Davis, who is incredible. Amaz- yeah, she is amazing. And um, my favorite. Um, Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang as Joan, Joan Crawford, Crawford. And she does a fantastic job. And both of these ladies just encapsulate, and, and especially Susan Sarandon, embodies just embody the way she walks and moves and just stomps around walks like a like an angry dude (laughs) just totally like i just got off a horse and (laughs) and i'm mad (laughs) she does look like she just got off a horse (laughs) uh but yeah it's it's really good so if if you have access to here's the be able to do these awful things to me if i weren't still in this chair But you are, Blanche. You are in that chair. But you are. But you are, Blanche. Anyway, so yeah, that was, I haven't watched like a scripted show in like a really long time. So it was kind of nice to be able to, now I'm going to have to follow it up with Mommy Dearest. Have you ever seen Uh, Mommy Dearest? I haven't. And uh, we have to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We watched another viewing party. There we go. (laughs) Joan Crawford all the time. Um, But. Uh, we're not going to be talking about uh, Baby Jane any longer, but we uh, are going to be talking about a little bit about the Library of Alexandria. Now, a couple—it's been a couple weeks now, I guess, since there's been the big fire in uh, at Notre Dame, and that kind of reminded me they were talking about um, as the fire was burning, they didn't know if all these antiquities would be saved or how much would be lost and all that, and it reminded me of always hearing that there was this library in Alexandria that held like the collective knowledge of all of humanity that then was burned down and all of that information was lost. And I didn't really know anything more than that. So I kind of started to dig into it a little bit more and found out that um, there is a kind of a lot more and a lot less to the whole story, which is kind of interesting. So to kind of back up uh, the library, uh, it wasn't, 
the only or the first library of its kind. There had been a, a long tradition of libraries in both Greece and um, the ancient Near East. The earliest recorded archive uh, it was found in about from 3400 BC when writing had only just begun to develop. Uh, by 2500 BC, uh, scholar, scholarly curation of literary text had begun. Um, the ancient Hittites and Assyrians had massive collections. Um, there was a big... Uh, the most famous library of the ancient Near East was in Nineveh, as we all remember the place that Jonah did not want to go right. and instead got swallowed by the whale. Um, so there's a large uh, library in Babylon. Um, Nebuchadnezzar built that one. Uh, and so all over. So the, the, the concept of this big, huge library wasn't a new thing. But um, it was one of the biggest and most significant ones in the world. So Alexandria, if you're kind of looking at the map of Egypt and the Nile comes up and kind of fingers off at the very top before it goes into the Mediterranean, Alexandria was kind of situated in one of those, one of the areas in, in that delta, I guess you would call it. Um, and it was named after Alexander the Great because he thought it would be a great uh, location. And he, Alexander the Great, envisioned... He, they very much at the at that point the Greeks really really um, not liked but really um, rewarded and enjoyed what the word they really promoted no what's it called when you promote like as a culture yeah uh, what's the, the word I'm looking for uh, not appreciate I, guess, I, I know yeah, what you're talking about so prom- <laughs> promoted I guess is the best part of the word uh, just the idea of, of of gathering knowledge for the sake of knowledge, and that was of of great importance to him and kind of the Greek culture. So he um, he envisioned this grand library in this place. Uh, he didn't live long enough to start it. The library was started by um, Ptolemy, and there was a line of three different Ptolemies. That's that P T O M L E Y that you huh. always see. Um, that that ruled for a while. So that's when it started on about 329. Um, well, 329 BC is when Alexandria was uh, founded. By 300 BCE, um, the library, which was also a part of the giant museum of Alexandria, it was one of the buildings of that um, of of the museum was in about 300 they also built a giant lighthouse uh, called the lighthouse of alexandria which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world Uh, that ended up coming down uh later during some earthquakes and some other wars um but it was the reign of petoleum petoleum uh petolemy now a lot of this which is interesting when you're talking about a place that was a repository of of all knowledge and all um scholarly there's not nobody knows what the library looked like they don't really know where exactly it was if it had many stories like how like none of that they didn't think to write that down and store that in a place specifically made for books (laughs) um and apparently yeah a lot of things it's interesting because like we think of the library like how it's organized and and what it looks like and what it does and like back then they were still coming up with all of those ways to keep books and like and to keep them alphabetized right. for, the dewey decimal system right, wasn't when, invented yet <laughs> yeah really but it was it was um knowledge and the gaining of knowledge was so important that they would pay scholars from around the world to just come study at alexandria 
to build kind of a, a world knowledge and to get the ideas from each other and to collect scrolls as different ships would come in and out of the harbor and in and out of, uh, in and out of Alexandria. They would search the boats for scrolls. They would take the scrolls to the library and make a copy of them. They would send the copy back. They would steal the original uh, and, and put it in the library and send it back. And they would also send out uh, book finders. They would just say, go out. And literally their goal was to collect every written scroll that had ever been created and to collect it in this one place. Um, wow. So... Um, Along, uh, among the people that came to study there were people like Euclid and Archimedes and um, uh, the guy, was uh, Diogenes, I think his name was, who was a philosopher that was the first cynic and stoic or whatever. And so like, <laughs> he had his group of little angry people and he used to, his life goal uh, was to find, a de- it was kind of this put on of like, my life goal is to find a decent human being and I still haven't. <laughs> and he would like walk around in the daylight um, how did they say this he'd walk around in the daylight with a lantern to like I'm looking even extra hard and I still can't find anything like just trolling everyone we get it we <laughs> <Right>. get it <laughs> so yeah there are people out there there are people um, Euclid and, and um, who who is the father of geometry was Uh-oh. it Euclid or was it the other guy I forget uh, who the other guy the other was guy. Uh, could it be Archimedes um, but he, geometry was was formed there and yeah. based there. And uh, the Euclid might be the founder of um, basic algebra. Oh, okay, uh, algebraic yeah. structure. Um, but so all of these people um, come and study there. Um, it was also home to because it was in, in Egypt. It was home to a sizable Jewish community. So uh, after. Um, the Bible started coming around. It was the first place that the Bible was translated out of Hebrew or the uh, the Old Testament, the Pet- Petru- Petrarch. What do they call the first? That's what they call the first five books of the Bible is the Pent- oh, Pe- yeah, yeah. Petrarch or whatever. Right. I forget uh, what pen- it's called. The, the, pen- Pentateuch? the, the Pentagon. Pentateuch? The Pentagram. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> uh, Euclid was geometry. Okay. So there's a lot of religious strife. There's a lot of war just in the general area over the over the several hundred years of 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 the building and the kind of the heyday of the of the library. Um, but basically, what happens is that um, the uh, Ptolemy the first hands it down to Ptolemy the second, who hands it down to Ptolemius the, the third, and each generation kind of I think we can see in modern times too it becomes less important like the pursuit of knowledge becomes less important they're not funding it the head librarian like used to be the most like important intellectual position that one could hold like the person that holds all of this knowledge together and then it became like the political appointees like sure you can be the library and if you give me some money sure you can be the secretary of education Betsy Betsy DeVos (laughs) if if you give us all of this money Um, so because of that the whole just kind of societies how they view things like that the importance kind of gets degraded a little bit more uh then julius caesar takes over uh rome and he um they get in a big naval battle Uh, i think he gets trapped near um uh, in the water near alexandria his only way out is to set all of their boats on fire in the docks that starts a massive fire 
that takes down a huge portion of Alexandria and a huge portion of the library. It doesn't totally destroy it. And it wasn't like we need to go burn the library down. It's just everything caught on fire and, and they don't know to the extent, you know, what was, what was burned, what was not. Um, so they were able to rebuild it a little bit. Um, it was, uh, rebuilt a little bit again, but it was just became one of those things that just wasn't important anymore mm. for people to care about. And, um, and then Cleopatra gets involved for a while and she donates lots of scrolls to the, to the thing, but then she dies, which I also don't really know anything about Cleopatra other than it's good, the good topic. movie that bankrupted Warner brothers back in the fifties because of Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Um, but yeah, she gets involved. So all of these leaders get involved. Um, then it kind of gets to the point where um, the religious wars take over. And first there is um uh, the Christians who take over, the Christians don't take kindly to any of the pagan things that are written down, any of the pagan studies. I mean, we kind of have to remember that Alexander was known as a place where everyone from all over the world came to share their ideas and their philosophies and to learn from each other and to, and then we get to the point where, well, we can't have the things that are against our religion. Uh, the Christians murder some scientists. They murder some, um, some pagans. They take out and burn all of the things that they don't like. Um, uh, then after a while, the Muslims takes over and uh, the Muslims say, well, anything that is anti-Muslim needs to be burned Anything that is pro-Muslim needs to be burned because we already have the Quran. Like, what do we need all this extra stuff laying around for? Um, so it just sort of is one of those things where it doesn't get um, kind of taken down in a meaningful, like, attack or, like, in one big cataclysmic thing. It's just over over the course of a couple centuries, which a couple of war, fire, like, all earthquakes is what took the lighthouse down. Um, then that was just eventually turned into uh, a Muslim fortress that's on the on the banks of the of the Mediterranean. So it kind of just degree by degree, whether it was through defunding or putting people who didn't care about it or all these wars just kind of fell out of out of existence, uh, just piece by piece. Um, and this was like where. I forget what one of the scientists um, is where he figured out that the world, not only that the world oh, was yeah. round, but the like almost exactly how big around the earth was because he measured the shadows at noon of two of the different pyramids and then compared <clears throat> them and then did math or whatever. Yeah. So he, he was noticing things from the pyramids, but the actual test was uh, both in Alexandria and in, uh, another town uh, that further south or something yeah, like that. Yeah, further south. Giza, maybe? Could be. Yeah. Because that's where the pyramid yeah, the pyramids yeah. are. Um, one had a well that went straight down and right. the other had a pole that went straight up, right? And <clears throat> exactly at noon, and you can figure out noon by... Uh, if you know, uh, like, if you are, depending on the time of the year, right? noon, the sun will be the furthest overhead that it can be. Sure. But it'll be declinated at an angle uh, different from where you are from the equator. Right, right, right. And so 
the angle gets steeper the further from the equator you are. So they just calculated the distance between those two points and the angle difference that the sun pointed at, at sure. and, and is assuming that that, that curve is 200, constant. Yeah, that curve is constant and that we're assuming that light rays from the sun are in perfect parallel and right. uh, they mathematically end up being, you know. Yeah, and he was like 200 miles. 200 miles off, off out of, you know, what is the Earth's circumference? 3,600? Like, yeah, <laughs> big, big, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, they, and they figured, so they knew that the world was round. Like that was common knowledge back then. It was like, and yeah. I think most of that was based because I think there is the Bible verse, like the spheres of the universe or whatever. And so like, and it's interesting that like that goes away then goes back to flat earth for such a long time until it's just so you'd think that like once people learn something, they <laughs> will, would carry it on. A uh, yeah. Little bit, it's, so yeah. It's just them. fascinating. Um, but lots of stuff like that, that, that was just common knowledge and kind of figured out in this assemblage of great minds. Um, like, yeah. And, and it essentially was a university. It was kind of one yeah. of the early models of a university as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because so it, it was, yeah, what one, we would see as one a part library. of the bigger campus of museum and, 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 and so they, the books in the library divided into rhetoric, law, epic, tragedy, comedy, lyric, poetry, history, medicine, mathematics, natural science, and miscellaneous. It is believed to have housed about uh, from 200,000 to 700,000 uh, scrolls between the different branches. Um, oh, one of the other things that they did there um, was it was the first time they really did autopsies and looked at the internal structure of human beings. Right. Because for Greeks, it was like you don't. I mean, I can imagine the first time someone's like, I know everyone's sad that that person's dead, but do you mind if I cut them open and look inside? Like I can, I can see how that can kind of be a social faux pas, but it, like for the Greeks, I was like, you, that's desecration. That's, you know, ungodly. That's whatever. But for Egyptians, they've been doing it entombing forever. people right. forever. And, um, it was studying that they did in Alexandria that led them to understand that the brain is where thinking goes on and not the heart. Oh, interesting. Uh, where for, th you know, millennia before this, uh, thinking would, with your heart was the, uh, you know. It seems like that would be harder to wrap your brain, brain. so to speak. <laughs> because, like, you, you see from your eyes. Like, right. I get if you saw from, like, your chest. Because, oh, like, right. where all of your internal input comes from is your head. You'd think you'd, that's where you're making your decisions from instead of somewhere else. But yeah, anyway, so the story was a lot different and a lot m more and less interesting kind of as you looked in it because you want it to be like, I mean, I guess it's not a surprise that like us as Americans always thought the Muslim hordes just destroyed every, everything right. when really it was a, it was a joint effort between dumb people, Christians and Muslims for millennia for millennia. So, um, Anyway, that's that's sort of sort of a broad stroke. There is a lot of interesting. There's a, some uh, good YouTube documentaries and and Wikipedia pages about about some more specifics of it, and especially the different people that studied there and the different innovations and thought processes that that came out of just having an environment that really valued education and and thinking for the sake of of thinking and and 
that must have been that must have been nice to live in a time and culture that valued valued. That's the word I was thinking. Valued exactly. So it all comes full circle. I belong in a library. <laughs> so I love uh, train wreck. <laughs> uh, I I love all the time on Reddit. There's this common repost of today. I learned the tragedy of the Library of Alexandria burning down. Oh right and. You know, it being a myth or whatever, like it, oh, it being a myth, myth. Oh, yeah. interesting. Uh, today I learned. So this is posted four months ago, but it's it's something I see frequently. Today I learned that the tragedy of the Library of Alexandria burning down and quote settling knowledge back centuries quote unquote is a myth. In reality, the library slowly oh. declined over many years, and by its end, most major cities had similar libraries with many of the same works. And I, I. <sighs> I feel like we're actually somewhere in the middle of yeah. both of those extremes. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, because there was a slow decline, but it was also... It's still a repository. Yeah, and, and an one of the biggest that it ever existed. And they were... It's kind of funny that there's this technological divide, but they didn't have books. They had scrolls. They right. didn't... They hadn't... And they're like... And that could be because of their ties to the papyrus or the papyrus thing. Damn it. <laughs> big papyrus. Big papyrus was in the pocket. Of, <laughs> and that's why they went with scrolls instead of books, which I thought was pretty great. <laughs> Things never change. <laughs> um, but funny. anyway, that's about it for today's show. If you have a subject that you want to hear about, let us know. If you want to hear clips of, of Baby Jane over and over and over again, yes. then that's fantastic. But you are, Blanche. You are. But you are, Blanche. You are in that chair. <laughs> she is so great. She does not. Betty Davis just did not. And I like learning that about her is that since she was a character actress, that she didn't mind making herself just look hideous. Hideous. Right. All the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's such a shocking character. And it is a very specific character. Yeah. That yeah. you you grow to hate and you believe like you absolutely it's believe. not just like a crazy thing that you're like oh she's right. doing such a performance of a, of a whatever no. it's like no, I this is because yeah sunset boulevard is a good is a good example because of that aging yeah i'm i need my fans back and i'll do anything right and, yeah right uh very pulpy it's made by the same person that does american horror story and glee and i forget what oh, other shows he yeah, does yeah. but um it's the same and it, it says season one. So there there was season two in the making, which was going to be Charles and Diana. Uh, and it was really? because each season is a different sure, feud. Sure, that makes sense because that's kind of the, an, uh, not analogy, um, anthology format yeah. of, of American Horror Story. And uh, in 2017, it was shut down. So oh. it's canceled. So this is the only feud. The that only we're feud. Get. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, listen to Fun Employment Radio right now. They're having a live thing at, at Landmark Saloon. So <laughs> if you're in this room right now and listening to this, you can probably still make it. <laughs> but they do lots of fun live stuff. They've got things coming up. Um, they've got a great daily show that you can listen to uh, and also become a Supporters Club member to, to interact with them live. So check them out. Um, check out sonicsketches.com and use the promo code MarkTodd for all of your Sonic Sketch needs. Um, otherwise, we will see you guys later. Um, I will play this scene from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. There wasn't like a stage oh, the, production? The, um, yeah, because the Baby Jane was 
um, what they called uh, <gasps> the character, um, the, the character child, of child Betty Davis. Yeah. She was famous as a child, and so she you had can play so letter to daddy. Here is Betty oh. Davis singing the most heartbreaking thing you'll ever hear, which is her trying to reclaim her childhood star in her head, singing alone to herself. to daddy daddy his address is heaven above i've written dear daddy we miss you and wish you were with us to love instead of a stamp i put kisses the postman says that's best to do. So heartbreaking. I've written a letter to Daddy. Say- 